0: so oh.
1: Okay, so we are continuing our sermon series this morning, uh, God, Life, and Our Expectations. And we're going to be talking about what to expect of our Christian uh, a witness in 2021. If you have your Bibles, you can open to First Samuel 14. And as you guys are flipping there, I believe it is page uh, 274 in the Red Pew Bibles in front of you. If you are a Christian this morning, you and I are witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, none of you saw that actually, physically take place 2,000 years ago, but we are witnesses to its power and its work in our life. The resurrection has brought life to our lives. A complete reorientation to our lives. It has brought color to our black and white lives. It has given us new lenses to think about and to see the world that we live in. As Christians, we are always looking for opportunities of renewal, of of seeing a broken family redeemed, of seeing someone's life changed, altered, and turned upside down due to belief and to faith in Christ Jesus, to bring beauty to our workplace and our vocations and how we love and how we treat others around us. For those of those, uh, us who are artists in this room, to reveal the glory of God, to show his, the realities of his resurrection and, and musical and artistic and in our writing, we are always finding new and fresh ways to share and to show the gospel of Jesus to those around us. All of these things and more, much more, are what it means to be, to be and to give a witness to the resurrection of Christ. I want to talk about this morning of how you and I can give witness to the gospel this morning. As we take steps forward in revitalization here at Emmanuel, I truly believe that just months and years from now we are going to see a radically flourishing church here in Wilmington. And all of you have a part to play in this, One of the most important things to remember as we step forward here is that all of these things that we're gonna talk, we have been talking about and are talking about, they are much bigger than just this church. We are just one church in the sea of churches across our nation. All of those churches, all the ones around us that are preaching the gospel, they are all necessary. They were all our brothers and sisters and we are joining their chorus of witness as we want those around us to know and to see Jesus Christ in us. And this call of the gospel will lead this church, and we pray those around us to do bold, risky things and even perhaps unexpected things for the cause of Christ Jesus and for the glory of the gospel as the Spirit of God continually moves within and within us to shine his spotlight on Jesus in our lives. Young people this morning, if you are struggling with, with purpose or meaning If you see this world in all of its size, you don't quite know where you fit in all of this, know that if if, uh, you're in faith in Christ Jesus this morning, you are joining a 2,000-year-old movement of faith that is bringing witness to the resurrection. If I could speak specifically to the young men in this room this morning, I heard a pastor say this recently. He said, young men are like trucks. They drive better with a load in the back. Young men, you have an opportunity in this generation to be a witness of the resurrection and taking steps forward in boldness by taking on heavy responsibility in a time when many young men are not doing so. For those with families in the thick of parenthood this morning know that how you father and mother your children is one of the most important ways you bring witness to the resurrection of Jesus in your marriage and your parenting, however imperfect your marriage is or your family is, you are bringing witness to the redemptive power that is in Jesus Christ. The way you work at your jobs, how hard you work, the creativeness that you bring to the work that is before you, doing it better and even with more strength than you did the day before, all of these things can be found even to be sharing in what God told Abraham thousands of years ago that his children would be a blessing to this world, just as the gospel has been a blessing to this world. And for those in this room who are in later stages of life, retired in the realm of grandparents and great-grandparents, and I've sat with some of you who are great-great-grandparents in this room. That's incredible, isn't that amazing? We all need grandparents. And how you fill that role intentionally in the life of your family, it is a bedrock a foundation of absolute necessity for any flourishing society and family. You bring witness to the resurrection of Jesus as you unleash the wisdom of life that God has brought to you. And as you pray continually and invest that wisdom into your family and your grandchildren. Grandchildren need their grandparents. You are bringing renewal even to your own family. Grandparenting can be a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to look at scripture this morning and take in some examples of how we bring witness to the gospel in our lives. And I want to hopefully, uh, uh, you know, properly align our expectations of what it means to be a witness because in 2021 and in the oncoming years, being a witness to the resurrection as a Christian, there's going to be no guarantee that everything may go well for you. I don't think that we will see, you know, martyrs in America like we see in some nations across the world. But the reality is that things, if I could guess, they're only going to get more difficult for Christians in America. And traditionally, they always eventually have been wherever Christians are found in all of Western and Eastern history and all of world history. Rod Dreher, who is a journalist and author of of many books, he had this to say about the implications of being a witness to Jesus in modern times. Listen to what he had to say. He said, A time of, of painful testing and even persecution is coming. Lukewarm or shallow Christians will not come through with their faith intact. Christians today must dig deep into the Bible Into church tradition and teach themselves how and why today's post-Christian world, with its self-centeredness, with its quest for happiness and rejection of sacred order and transcendent values, is a rival religion to authentic Christianity. And he said, "This are we admirers or followers of Christ?" Well, ask that question again: Are we just admirers or followers of Christ? How will we know? We will know when we act or fail to act as Christians when to be faithful costs us something. When the demands made on us will grow greater and the consequences for failing to submit to the world's demands will grow even more severe. I want to look today at three stories in scripture that will help define for you and I the, the ingredients we need to be bold witnesses for the resurrection of Jesus this morning. Uh, three things we will look at um, is the is necessary faith we need in God's promises. By the way, this is not some doom and gloom into the world sermon because I, I also have much hope. And you're going to see that as we end here. Uh, the necessary faith we need in God's promises. The courage we may need, knowing it might be costly for us. And the love that we must embody The love of Christ that also might be costly for you and I. So I want to begin in 1 Samuel chapter 14. Being a witness of Christ requires great faith. Before I read this, this is back in uh, deep in Old Testament history here. What we're seeing is in this story, the Philistines, right? They were a people that lived on the eastern and northeastern kind of, or northwestern, excuse me, coast. In the land of Israel, they were um, a mighty people at this stage in history. Uh, they had, their army consisted of, of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and in chapter 13 in Samuel it says, and an army as numerous as a sand on the seashore. In other words, they had a lot of people. They had a big army. And here was Israel in battle with these Philistines and only an army of 600 and what makes it even more tricky is that Israel at this time, a, a freshly new nation with their first king, his name was Saul. They had no blacksmiths. And so as soon as they became a nation, they were being, you know, uh, waging war here with a neighboring uh, uh, people. And they had no way to make weapons. And their army at this point only consisted of about 600 people. Things weren't looking too good, in other words, right? They were a bit in some dire circumstances and so let me uh let me read this beginning in verse 14 the the setup is the philistines were camped out a few miles away um he had israel a few miles over here okay um and here's what happens in verse uh this the last verse in chapter tw- uh, 13 says now the detachment of the philistines are gone out to the pass at Mikmash. And one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahiah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phineas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh translation, the grandson of the high priest. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. Now, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozez, the other Cena. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south towards Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Now listen, he said this Come. Let us go over to the outposts of these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or whether by few. Now, you have to consider the absolute boldness and the incredible faith displayed, right? There is absolutely no reason to think that his life would be intact for five seconds to say, I wanna, apparently my dad and this army is just, they're kinda shaking in their boots But Jonathan knew some stuff about Israel's history that apparently the army had forgotten. Listen to some of these stories. Okay, in in Exodus six, verse eight, it says, I will bring you to the land which swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord, it talked about after century upon centuries, these people have built up iniquity and wickedness and supposedly we can assume are given opportunities to turn from their ways and they weren't and it was time for judgment to be brought and there was numerous promises. Uh, dozens of them throughout Israel's history up until this point that God said I will be with you in this process do not fear take courage I am with you and Jonathan had all these things kind of swarming in his mind and he was like and what are we waiting for didn't God say he's going to be with us in this and he was looking around they were just kind of like sitting there shaking he was like I'm gonna get my guy here and let's go Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. For the cause of God and his kingdom, Jonathan, risked it all. Even as uh, this story proceeds, he, he did ask for his sign. Jonathan, in verse 8, he said, Come then, we will cross over toward the men and let them see us. Well, I skipped over verse 7. His armor bearer heard, and he said, Go ahead, I am with you in heart. And soul. So t- we have two men here with just incredible faith. Jonathan said, Come with us, we will see, uh, cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say, Wait there until we have come to you, we will stay where we are and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. But even with the sign, as we're going to see that happens, still consider the faith that he had to step forward. The story uh, proceeds, the both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes that they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan, his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. And I forgot to mention, only Jonathan and Saul had a sword. So he has one of two swords in the entire army. With his armor bearer right behind him, the Philistines fell before Jonathan. His armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 men in an area about half an acre. Acre continues on. Panic started striking. The ground actually shook, mass confusion. The Philistines started turning against one another. And before you know it, a great victory was had. The key aspect of this story is the incredible faith that Jonathan had to say, I'm going to do something crazy right now. I'm going to do something crazy. It just may be that God's gonna be with me. It just might be that God's gonna be with me because I know the promises that he has given us. I know of the great promises he has given us time and time and time again. I know of examples in their nation's history when God pulled through in amazing situations. Just read the story of Gideon and you'll see another example of a similar kind of story. My question for you this morning is, what is the quality of your faith this morning? Do you really know the gospel story? Do you really, have you, have you woke up in, woken up this morning to remind yourself of the great lengths that God has came down from heaven onto earth to die for you and to love you and to even go as far as sending you his very spirit to fill you and to give you promises? It says the one who conquered from the grave said, I will be with you even to the end of the age do you know that this morning if you know that are you willing to act on it are you willing to stop with open ears and say Lord what might you have for me today can you make me willing to not just listen but to respond if you were to speak to me to tell me to do something crazy for you today faith faith is the first thing that is a, a, a crucial ingredient of being a bold witness for Christ in our age today. The next ingredient is courage I want to look at. In Daniel chapter 3, if you want to turn there, you feel free to turn there. We won't read all of this story. It's a very, very famous story if you spent any time going to any sort of church function as a kid. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was centuries later, they were exiles of Judah. They were brilliant men. Uh, the, the, the king Nebuchadnezzar who brought them out of exile from Israel, he, he recognized these are, these are unique guys. Like they have some amazing abilities. And he set them up for some pretty important duties over his kingdom. Now in this story, Nebuchadnezzar had set up this massive statue of himself, this massive golden, you know, idol of himself. And he called everybody to bow down and to Worship, as, worship it as if he were God himself and the cost of not doing so was this very hot furnace he said if you don't bow I want to toss you in there what did these three men do who were faithful to God they refused but the Bible requires close and careful reading you can breeze through this story of, you know, if you've grown up in church, I've heard this story, you know, a million times. Read slowly here and pay attention to what's being said. Listen to this. Beginning in verse 16, uh, after word got around that these people weren't bowing, and people are like, yo, King, there's some guys over here, like they're, they're not doing it. They're standing up when everybody else is down on their knees, like they're the only ones. Yo, King, we got to do something. You got to stay to your word here, what are we going to do? And so they were approached. It's like, What's going on, guys? Like, why aren't you—what are you doing? Everybody else is bowing down. This is what we do here. What are you doing? Listen to their words. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Listen. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us or deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18. Verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. The courage was there to worship God, and him alone is, uh, is witnesses of belonging to his people, even if it cost them their, his, their own life. And I, I want you to understand this, okay? God is, this is, if this is, if you hear anything else, I want you to understand this. God is not obligated to give you a rosy and nice future when he calls you to get up and do something. Just do a brief read of church history and tell me how many men and women throughout the past 2,000 years who have taken bold steps out in the name of Jesus, the things did not go well for them. And we worship the guy who was murdered? And he was nailed to a cross, right? And, and, and as we take, take steps forward in boldness, we need to realize I, 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 that's what happened to him. Like if we're in his image, we maybe should expect that things might be hard for us. It certainly looked hard for him, right? And this kind of, and I was really thinking about this, right? The courage that's displayed that by these men, it superseded themselves, And you have to realize this, like their courage in God to give a witness to God to say, I want everybody to know that he is the one and true God. And God was vindicated in this story. If you know, he did rescue them from the furnace. A fourth person showed up. He looked like the son of the gods, as the Babylonians called it, which many people think was, you know, the the pre-incarnate Christ who shows up and rescues these men. But God is not obligated to, to always rescue you. Sometimes it may be that your hardship becomes a testimony of Jesus. Because how God and how the Holy Spirit perseveres you through that hardship, people look on and say, wow, what is that hope you have? I don't recognize that. Where does it come from? And through your suffering you can say, you know, I worship one who suffered even more than myself. I worship one who came to redeem this Lord, who promised the day to come when there will be no more suffering. And he's equipped me today to face even the most harshest of circumstances. Do you know my Lord? Do you know him? This is what courage will lead to in our lives. Do you have that courage? Friends, I know in America, we are the coziest nation on earth. We really are. We have it so well here. Even the poorest among us are still richer than the vast majority of this world. We are so comfortable here. I know that I am so comfortable. We are just, but are you willing to experience uncomfortability if God may place it in front of you for a testimony of his work in your life? Courage is what we need. Bold courage for witnesses and stepping forward. The last thing, there's many things we can mention, but I wanna mention love is displayed by this amazing, amazing woman named Esther. Esther chapter four, again, if you wanna turn there in your Bibles, feel free to. You won't go over the whole story. This is some decades after the incident that we just read about in Daniel, when there was uh, still Jews remaining in uh, Babylon had changed hands, now it belonged to the, the Persian Empire. And so Esther, which is a Jewish woman, part of God's family, found herself as queen. Um, queen in Persia, in this foreign nation. Her uncle, which often hung out, um, you can read the story. It's a really wonderful story to read and just get into. It never ceases to just grip my attention. Word gets around through a series of events that God's people in Persia were about to be not just attacked, but in threat of, of being actually wiped out in a type of almost like soft genocide situation, right? And Mordecai gets wind of this. He knows that his niece, which is Queen Esther, is in the palace in close proximity to the king, and he knows she might be able to do something for what's coming up. Like, she might be able to help us here. And so he reaches out to her. He sends words. This is what Mordecai's words are to her. He says, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you are alone, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, perhaps relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. The problem with this whole situation was it was against the law just to go to the king. The king. Just to walk up unless you were summoned and asked to come is against the law. If you walk into the king's presence unannounced, if you know the story, what happens, you're done. Unless, in grace, he were to, you know, extend his scepter out. But chances are, you're in trouble. And Mordecai was basically saying, what are you willing to do, Esther? What are you willing to do? her response was in verse 16 chapter 4, go and gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me telling this to Mordecai, do not eat or drink for three days, night or day I and my maids will fast as you do, when this is done I will go to the king, even though it is against the law and if I perish, I perish now we see incredible faith, we see incredible courage of course, but we see love here because her life was on the line for other people her life was on the line for others and she said i'm willing to give up myself for other people there should be some echoes of things that our lord said and in, in the new testament when he said they will know you by your love for one another first john three sixteen, the other john three sixteen, that's just as fantastic as John 3 16. By this we know that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What happens when we become a people who are radically loving those around us? Radically loving those who do not deserve to be loved, perhaps. They even committed uh, uh, sin and injustice against us. And what happens when we as a people know our own sin, know the lengths that God has gone to love us, and we go and we start serving and loving them and the nation that wants us to be divided and wants us to think ill of this group and this group and be against one another and this strange group of people come up and is just loving everybody in the name of Jesus. And people say, you're not supposed to do that. What are you doing? We say, do you know the love of Christ? and how he has loved us. This is what we see in Esther, in her example here. It only points us to the love of Christ who gave himself for the sins of the world. But again, such a love was costly. Are you willing to love in such a costly manner? In a way that maybe perhaps won't cost your blood, but might cost your money. It might be a cost of your time. It might be a cost of your schedule. Or your plans that may be subverted for the sake of reaching out in grace to someone else who needs to see the love of Christ, who needs help. Are you willing to be that person this morning at a great inconvenience perhaps to you? And again, Jesus equips us for such radical love. As we close in the back end of our sermon, as we talk about expectations of being a witness in this day and age, Revelation 1 verse 5, Christ is called the faithful witness. He is the first witness, if you will, of God and his work because he accomplished God and his work. In Hebrews 12 takes this and it gives us clarity this morning. Listen to Hebrews 12. It says this. It says, Therefore, after mentioning a whole list in Hebrews 11 of all these men and women who did unbelievable things for God and for His glory on display throughout all of Scripture, who just did crazy stuff you stepped out in radical faith time and time again. And for each one of them was just, it was costly. But we still read about it all of these millennia later and say, wow, Jesus, give me that kind of faith. It only makes me think of you. After seeing all those lists, this is what the author of Hebrews says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, because it's not just us, it's a globe full of Christians, even now who are giving themselves up for Christ and all of church history so many who have done so we are surrounded by their stories let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him the joy Catch that. Like the joy that was set before him, what was before him? The cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to speak to those this morning who need that word that you feel like, I need that endurance right now. I need that endurance because I just want to throw my hands and say, I'm, I'm done with this whole thing, God. I don't feel like you're with me. I don't feel like you're here. I want to toss my hands up and say, I'm just, I'm just walking the way. Look at this. Run with endurance. Jesus ran with endurance. He, 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 he had so much anxiety and just, 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 just struggle the night before. He was sweating blood before he went. He says, I know what it's like to be where you are. Like I sat in the garden, I, I literally sweat blood, says Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, God himself, persevered me through incredible endurance that was even beyond his own flesh could do, as we saw his struggle in the garden. God sustained him and he can sustain you. Christ is our high priest He says, I know what it feels like, but I made it through. I can bring endurance to you, not by your strength, not by your power, but by his might, says the Lord. Verse 3, consider him who endured for some, from sinners such hostility against himself that you might not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. Speaking to this early church, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I always read that with a bit of fear, right? It's like, whew. Like we we're just so blessed to not have to, in our country, now like think about that, right? But as we continue forward in Christ, as we close, know that things might get hard. They might get difficult for us. As a church, as we step forward, we want to be a healthy, flourishing church. We will continue to preach the good news of Jesus, whatever the cost might be. And I can't promise you, it's all gonna be rosy for the things that might be ahead. But when I read these things, I know that God is with us and he will not forsake us. And the beautiful thing about this is yes, maybe in our culture, we're becoming more and more post-Christian, but when things get darker, the gospel gets lighter. Do you understand this? The gospel shines brighter when things get darker. And I'm telling you, this world is going to be beat up and chewed up and spit out and looking around saying, I need light somewhere I don't see. it. And we get to say, I know Jesus, and he is with us. Come and meet our Lord. That's where I want to take us, church. So if you are here this morning and you need a prayer, you need encouragement this morning. You need uh, somebody to come alongside of you and just uh, to speak soft and gracious truth into your life. Um, I want to call up um, our elders uh, for to be available for prayer up here. Um, if, if, if that's you this morning, um, please uh, grab the person next to you. If you want to come up, then grab somebody next to you. Pray. Spend time. With our Lord Jesus If you're here this morning And you're just kind of on the fence Of this whole Christianity thing You're like I'm I'm like kind of okay with it But like no no I'm just kind of like here And I'm you know I'm not entirely in disagreement I don't really know where I'm at with this stuff It's not a mistake that you're here this morning Jesus never does anything by mistake Nothing in your life happens When God says whoa I didn't know that would happen No, No he wanted you here this morning Because he's after you Don't resist him Don't resist him. I'll call up our worship team as we we close this morning with a song. Jesus, as we uh, see just uh, your scripture and just the the, the bold faith and, and courage and love that you gave the men and women in scripture to do, unbelievable things, Lord. We know that church history is uh, is just chocked full of stories of more men and women who have stepped out in great faith. Lord, we have a a, 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 a myriad of people here this morning, Lord. Some, you may be just pushing to step out in bold faith, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom. And if, if that person is here this morning and has just been ignoring that and pushing it aside and knowing just what it might cost them. Lord, would those walls be broken down that they would be obedient to your spirit this morning? For those of us who have family or neighbors or friends or classmates or coworkers (laughs) who, who need you, whose lives were a wreck and, and it's easy to perhaps avoid because you know the messiness that may come with, with intermingling with them and getting involved in their lives. Lord, may we, be, may we be willing to take on their messiness just like you took on our messiness, Lord. And just like you redeemed us, Lord, we know that you can redeem even the most broken of circumstances for anyone in this room who either knows somebody who is in that kind of circumstance or is themselves in that kind of circumstance. Lord, would you equip us Lord, with your spirit to go and to minister and to be your ambassadors and your witnesses, regardless of the costs. And Lord, for this church, I pray, as we take steps forward, Lord, what may feel like some unknowns, Lord, some of us have been here for our entire lives, Lord, and the unknown is just, is scary, Lord, for um, uh, this church has been here just a, a, a witness of your gospel for more than a century and a half, Lord. It's, it can be scary to think about stepping forward in, in new things or whatever it may take, Lord, but Lord, you will be with us in this, Lord. Help us to be bold and courageous and faithful witnesses to the gospel. Would your spirit come and bring a, a wave of just, uh, uh, just fill us, Lord, in unique ways as we step out. Lord bring renewal and revival to not just this church but to all the churches around us Lord that even when people are not expecting a a rebirth of the Christian church in 2021 that we would just see just say a massive work of your spirit in the most unlikeliness of times Lord that you may once again as they told Paul there's that guy turning the world upside down Lord that you would do that yet again in our day and in our time, and in our city, and you will use us, Jesus, as your ambassadors for that work. We love you, Lord, so much. May we leave this place, uh, in whatever a week may be before us, to be bold and faithful and courageous and loving witnesses of the gospel. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your death. And we thank you for your resurrection, without which we have no hope. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer, come forward. Grab somebody next to you. Don't leave this place if the Spirit of God is tugging on your hearts this morning. Thank you.
0: Last how I've heard.